welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Pack your bags, Lucas Gilito, because you're headed to... The Angels? Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, July 27th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Chris Towers. Today on the show, what a day. We've got trades. Giolito headed to the Angels. Ahmed Rosario headed to the Dodgers. Marco Luciano was promoted by the Giants. What's going on with Framber Valdez and Joe Ryan? Hitters turning up in July. There's just so much to talk about. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Chris, let's just uh, jump on in with this trade. Lucas Gilito traded to the Angels. Here is the full trade. The Angels receive Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, while the White Sox receive two prospects, catcher Edgar Cuero and pitcher Kai Bush. Let's start off with uh, Giolito, who is a California native, so this is a homecoming of sorts. Thought he was going to honestly be traded to the Dodgers. That, that seemed like a match made in heaven, but you know the Angels kind of swoop in here and they make their move. Giolito having a fine year, 379 ERA, 122 whip, over a strikeout per inning, he is currently the SP37 in Roto, SP31 in head-to-head points. Does this change anything for Lucas Gilito's value? I think if you look at the park factors, it, they'll say that it's probably a downgrade for Lucas Giolito. I don't buy that necessarily. I think it's probably neutral at worst. You know, Lucas Giolito's park uh, home road splits are actually slightly tilted towards the road. I think, if anything, there was a decent chance Lucas Gilito was going to see some regression anyway because his underlying numbers don't necessarily back up what he's done so far. But I, I generally think he's probably going to be fine with with this move. If anything, from a fantasy perspective, the same slight downgrade we give every Angels pitcher because of the six-man rotation, but even that, at this point in the season, you're probably talking maybe one fewer turn through the rotation. So it doesn't really make a big impact. I updated my rankings here on Wednesday, and I've got Lucas Giolito at SP 47, which, you know, that's, he's kind of on the fringe. I wouldn't call him a must-start pitcher. Eh, he's kind of close to it, I guess. Uh, you have Giolito at SP 41, so we're in a similar range. And while you were talking, the wheels started turning, and I think the six-man rotation actually might affect him more than we're leading on because... He's almost certainly never going to be a two-star pitcher. Right, right. But that, if you really think about, like, if you actually, like, plot it out, how many times was he likely to be a two-star pitcher the rest of the way anyway? Maybe twice? Two maybe or three? Three times at most? So, like... Two or three, yeah. It's probably none now, maybe one at the most. So, yeah, there's... I think that matters. An impact that impact. It certainly matters. Yeah. But, like, then you start to think, like, in a head-to-head points league where the season doesn't run all the way to the end anyway, does it really matter all that much? Because it's possible that none of those would have happened during the playoffs or that one of them would have happened after your season ended anyway. So it's, it's a, it's a negative, but it's not, it's easy to overstate, I think. And over the course of eight weeks, it's probably not going to change his value very much. 
Before we move over to the prospects that the White Sox received, let's just wrap things up on the Angels side here. Who's going to go to the bullpen? My guess is it'll be Chase Silseth, and their new six-man rotation will feature Otani, Lucas Giolito, Reed Detmers, Tyler Anderson, Griffin Canning, and Patrick Sandoval. Uh, I guess the overarching theme here with the Angels is that they're not trading Shohei Otani, right? There was a report that came out on Wednesday that basically they swapped mindsets. They're like, nope, we're not trading Otani. In fact, we're going to be buyers. And that's exactly what they did. They go out and trade for uh, both Lucas Gilito and Ronaldo Lopez. Obviously, Lopez will pitch in the bullpen. Uh, I don't think he has any value for fantasy. What about the prospects that the White Sox received? Edgar Cuero, a 20-year-old catcher this season in the minors, not doing too hot. 246 batting average, three home runs, 718 OPS. He was much better last year, so hopefully he can uh, pick it back up after this trade. Kai Bush, a 23-year-old former second-round pick back in 2021. He is a left-handed pitcher, has made 34 starts in the minors, 447 ERA, a 1-3-0 whip, over a strikeout per inning. And I was texting with the Welsh, just trying to get his read on these two players. He said for Edgar Cuero, quote, really good young bat, more walks and strikeouts. And for Kai Bush, has been injured, decent fastball, really good slider, four-pitch mix. Chris, your thoughts on the package that the White Sox received here for Giolito. If you're going to trade any type of prospects, catchers and starting pitchers are by far the most volatile types of prospects. I mean, I, I did a little exercise before we started where I was looking at the top catchers in baseball prospectuses, top 100 over the from 2017 to 2020. And it's like 2017 was like Jorge Alfaro, Francisco Mejia, Chance Cisco, Carson Kelly, Zach Collins. The following year, Francisco Mejia, Jorge Alfaro, Carson Kelly, Cabert Ruiz. The following year, Francisco Mejia, Cabert Ruiz, Joey Bart, MJ Melendez, Danny Jansen, Sean Murphy. But it's all to say that, one, it, look at how long it took Sean Murphy to figure it out, to become an impact player. It's These are long-shot players. Catchers take a long time to develop. They are very volatile, and starting pitchers, obviously, may not take as long to develop, but they're incredibly volatile assets, so... I don't know. I, I've I've seen a lot of criticism of the Angels. Oh, they're going to let Shohei Otani walk for nothing. And like, you're four games back of the wild card. You're three games over 500. I feel like it would be, I don't know. I, I can't say it would be dumb to sell Otani, but it's a lot more fun to try to go make the playoffs with Shohei Otani because once you get there, you've got Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and you can switch to like a three or four man rotation. You've got a chance. And I just... I don't know. I'm not with this. Like, if you're not the overwhelming title contender, you should probably trade everyone that's good on your team. Like, I just feel like that mindset has gone too far. You're not going to get the prospects that you're going to get for trading Shohei Otani are not going to trade dramatically alter the the trajectory of your franchise for a two month rental. So just go get it. Go go for it. I think it's it's way more fun to do this. And you know, as far as Edward, Edgar Cuero and and Kai Bush. If we see them in 2024, I think that's probably a best case scenario for either of them, given where they are in their careers. They're, you know, both a double A, but neither's doing extremely well right now. So yeah, I, I, I don't think either of them is likely to matter anytime soon for fantasy. Yeah, there's a lot of points there on that. What you said about Otani. Part of the reason why the Angels kind of flipped their mindset here is because they said all the trade packages they were receiving were underwhelming and. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy to think about. Even for a rental Otani, 
this is a generational player, something we've never seen before. You should be getting crazy trade packages, yeah, I like, think, and, for, and, and for look, Otani. Like, the Angels aren't going to like... If, if Otani leaves this offseason, Edgar Cuero and Kyle Kai Bush, I keep wanting to call him Kyle Bush, Kai Bush uh, are not going to change whether this team is any good in the next five years, right? Like, if either of them becomes even an average player, that's a huge win. So, yeah, I, I don't... I just... You might as well go for it because you're 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 going over the cliff if Otani leaves either way. You know, the, Edgar Cuero isn't a uh, isn't a isn't a parachute. Most of the time, I agree that if you know, if you're just confident, you're not going to resign a player, you should trade them in the final year of their contract. Especially if you know you don't think that you're going to compete, you should try yeah. and recoup some of those assets. I generally agree with that, but as you pointed out. You don't have to They're be the it. best team in baseball to make a run, man. We we just saw the Phillies make the World Series last mm-hmm. year. I this this team always comes to mind as like the Cinderella story, the Rockies, the year that they made it against the Red Sox in the World Series. They had no business being there. The Didn't, the best team doesn't always make the World Series. The Angels with Giolito and Otani and if Mike Trout's healthy, that's a team that could actually make a run if they make it into the playoffs. The Cardinals won a World Series with 83 wins. Like that that's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. You can't do that. Like that you can't bank on that, but it, the point is the baseball playoffs are a crap shooting and just getting in should be the goal and and I hope the Angels aren't done making moves. All right, we shall see what happens there again. Lucas Giolito headed to the Angels in return for two prospects, Edgar Cuero and pitcher Kai Bush. We'll get back into the trades and the Marco Luciano uh, promotion in just a bit, but let's get into the rest of Wednesday's action. Oh my good, goodness gracious! Ah, atta girl, Susan. The Yankees got their revenge. Splitting the Subway Series for the season. Two, two and two for both teams. Uh, Chris, you are up. Player of the night. Freddie Peralta who is on a decent little run starting to turn things around. I believe tied his career high. No, not, not his career high tied the brewer season high for strikeouts with 13. I think this was the second most he's had in a game in his career. I have career high. Was it a career high? Let's see. I'm looking at all dates here on fan graphs and yeah, his previous high was 13. Okay. 24 swings and misses on 89 pitches probably could have gone Deeper, they decided to pull him at 89. It was really hot uh, at this game. So, you know, not necessarily super surprising from what I could tell. But, yeah, he's starting to to show signs of turning it around. The ERA over the past, uh, in the month of July, is down to 363. 34 strikeouts in 22 and a third innings. 39 strikeouts in 32 and a third innings in the month of June. So, a bunch of strikeouts over the past two months and, Obviously, that's always been part of his game, but the strikeouts were down early on in the season when he was really struggling. And I think this is a good sign. You know, that fastball he had. uh, Sorry, I had it in front of me. uh, 12 swings and misses with it. Seven on the slider. Five with the changeup and curveball as well, which he didn't really throw a ton. So, yeah, it the the fastball is always the key for Freddie Peralta. That you know he's he's one of those guys he throws it about fifty five percent of the time, but gets a lot of whiffs with it. And it's really important for him. So the fact that he's starting to get whiffs with that pitch again, it's a very good sign. And look, we we don't have to rehash yesterday's conversation. You can go back and listen to it. I'm sure that we'll we'll be referencing everything we talked about yesterday for the rest of the season and into the off season, the glob and all that. <laughs> Peralta. 
has always been a bit of a random number generator. You know, he, he has peaks and valleys that tend to be pretty extreme, but I never wanted to give up on him uh, this season. And, and I'm glad I didn't, I, I, I've moved him down into like the 40 or 50 range at starting pitcher, but I never moved him much further down than that. So I mentioned I updated the rankings. Let's see, where did I get Freddie Peralta? I got him at SP 57, which it might be a little bit low. I, look, he gets a ton a ton of strikeouts this year, but man, those peripheral, I mean, those ratios, 446 ERA and a mm-hmm. 125 whip. I mean, those are... Those are just killers for him. You can argue maybe he should be a little bit higher. Uh, maybe he goes on a run here. Something I noticed about this start is that he did throw his slider more in this one, and mm-hmm. that is far and away his best pitch. It has a 48% whiff rate on the season. But the problems for Peralta this year, the walks are the highest they've been since 2020. Uh, his home runs, the highest they've been since 2019. 1.5 uh, home runs per nine. That's been a problem here for Peralta. So unless he can get those things under control, I think we're probably still going to see some inconsistency. The strikeouts are awesome. Uh, Let's hope that Freddie Peralta can build off of this moving forward. Somebody who did the opposite of Freddie Peralta, that would be Framber Valdez, who clearly has not been the same since he sprained his ankle on June 20th. More on that in just a bit. Up against the Texas Rangers here, he went three and two-thirds innings. He allowed six runs, two homers in this game, 11 hard hits allowed, 93 mile per hour, Average exit velocity. I was watching this start, and even looking at the pitch mix, it just kind of seems like everything was off for mm-hmm. Framber Valdez here. He did not throw his cutter at all. That's a pitch he usually throws 15% of the time. He didn't use his curveball as much. That's usually a very dominant pitch for Framber Valdez. He raised his changeup and his sinker usage. It's it's just weird because the cutter and curve are, you know, his arguably his two best pitches. So just something off for Valdez here, and it has been for quite some time. His last five starts, a 7.0 ERA, a 1.67 whip during that time. He's allowing a lot of hard contact. There is an argument here, Chris, that this is just natural regression, right? The ERA is up to 329. That's normal, and that's still a really, really good pitcher. So mm-hmm. maybe he was just regressing. He has allowed a lot of hard contact this year. Maybe those are just starting to fall in for hits or fall in for home runs, but... This five-star stretch does coincide with Framber Valdez leaving with a sprained ankle back on June 20th. So my lean is that he might just kind of be pitching through that right now. Yeah, and it's been a weird season because he was really dominant for such a long time, but it was so different than what we've come to expect from Framber Valdez. Strikeout rate up 27% was a career high this season. Previous career high had been 23.5%. I guess he had 26% in 2020, but that was such a small sample size. Yeah, I I don't really know what to make of him across the board because it's been, like you said, the hard contact way up. That's always been something he's been very good at. Strikeout rate way up Uh, in this start. Like you said, not throwing the curveball and and cutter. Those are his two best pitches by far. So this one, this specific start just seems like, yeah, he wasn't right. And he ran into arguably the best lineup in baseball, but Overall, the struggles, I don't exactly know what to make of it. Like, because it's because he's such a different pitcher than he's been in the past. And it, I think generally on the whole, he's probably still a very, very good pitcher, but it might just be that because there's more hard contact in his profile right now, maybe it leads to him being a little more prone to these kind of blow ups. Maybe it's like you said, the ankle injury. I, 
I don't have a good read on him, unfortunately. Yeah, I have my, in my most important league. So I've watched a lot of Valdez and he just hasn't looked right recently. So I don't know, maybe I'm just making excuses for him. Again, has allowed a lot of hard contact. So it might just be catching up to him. Framber Valdez in line for two starts next week up against the Cleveland Guardians and at the Yankees. Might have Aaron Judge back in the lineup by then. We'll see. But I think obviously we're still rolling with Framber Valdez, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe just lower expectations compared to what we got earlier on in the season. Chris, did you see this whole Marcus Semien situation between him and uh, Valdez? Yeah. It was crazy. Lots of drama in this game. So, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez was hit by a pitch in his first plate appearance. First off the IL, right? Marcus Semien then hit by a pitch in his next plate appearance. Was it retaliation? Potentially. And then uh, later on, Marcus Semien launches a two-run homer off of uh, Framber Valdez in his next plate appearance, and then just stares him down the entire time while running the bases. It was so blatantly obvious. It was like, is this guy going to get, you know, just tossed in the middle of like rounding the bases? It was crazy. Um, some tripping going on. and Maldonado know. started it, it sounds like. Really? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so there was a quote from Semyon after the game. Uh, the Astros hit a home run, and Maldonado said to him, uh, or Semyon said to Maldonado, yeah, we're still going to win this game. And Maldonado said, no, nah, it's just like when you were in Oakland. Ooh. And so when Simeon hit the uh, hit yeah. that home run, yeah, <laughs> you know, wanted to make sure that Maldonado was aware of it in case he might have missed it from his vantage point. That is awesome. You know, this type of intensity. I love it. In a divisional series, that's clearly incredibly important between the Astros and the Rangers. That's awesome stuff, man. It's not just the the trash talk, but then actually like backing it up, three hits, home run, chirping, benches clear, ejected from the game. It was pretty fun to watch. Uh, maybe if you, maybe not if you're an Astros fan, but I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, we had some other trades. Let's quickly run through some of these. Ahmed Rosario traded to the Dodgers in exchange for Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> so I, I had a really weird moment when this trade went down because. For some reason, I, I I thought that Ahmed Rosario had signed an extension with the Guardians this offseason. I, I was thinking of uh, Jimenez, Andres Jimenez. Yeah, but I, I, I guess there had been a talk, talk that they were talking about an extension. And so my thought was like, man, they really just salary dumped Ahmed Rosario. And then it was like, oh, no, he's expired. His contract's expiring at the end of this contract this this season. I was completely blanked on that. But w- Weird trade either way. The yeah. Guardians taking on money, it seems like. Yeah. Is weird. It is weird. Um, they need some help on the back end of their rotation right now with the injuries to uh, Shane and Bieber and McKenzie. They probably so. still do. Yeah. Um, for Rosario, he has not been good this year. Let's make that nope. very clear. 265 batting average, three homers, nine steals, a 675 OPS. I saw some defensive metrics that point out he has been very bad defensively yeah. as well. I have some questions here, Chris. Does he play every day? I know for his career, he's been much better against left-handed pitching Mm -hmm. than he has against righties. But, you know, the Dodgers have been throwing Miguel Rojas out there at shortstop. And, you know, they just got Kike Hernandez to likely play second base. I think he's probably going to play close every day. What are your thoughts on Ahmed Rosario to the Dodgers? Yeah, I I would guess it's not every single day, but maybe like 75, 80%. It's probably on, on net. Uh, a loss for Ahmed Rosario's fantasy value. You know, he has been playing better since what the start of June uh, OPS is up to like 750 in that span. The, the one thing that I would think maybe you could take out of this is just 
we we have a lot of faith in the Dodgers optimizing the skill sets of their players and the players that they acquire. And Ahmed Rosario is a guy that we've always talked about at the high end has pretty good exit velocities. The overall uh, quality of contact metrics aren't usually all that great, but he's very, very fast. And that's the one thing we've talked about with him and Andres Menez is, man, these both these guys both seem like they could steal 35 bases and they don't. I don't know if the Dodgers are going to unleash him, but that's the one thing is maybe just like a change of scenery and a different set of eyes and a different coaching staff, maybe unlock some latent potential there. But on the whole, my, my assumption would be this would be a, a negative for Ahmed Rosario, who's probably, you know, when he plays, he's probably going to bat lower in the lineup, maybe ninth for the Dodgers. So not a ton to be excited about here. Ahmed Rosario, 65% rostered. Names like CJ Abrams, Hassan Kim, they have moved up over 80% and very clearly... We would rather have those names than Ahmed Rosario. But one name that I had for later on, Chris, is Tim Anderson, who is hitting better so far in the month of July. Um, well, rather in the second half. Let's say you missed out on Abrams, you missed out on Hassan Kim, you're looking for a shortstop, a middle infielder. Would you rather have Ahmed Rosario with the Dodgers or Tim Anderson hoping that you know the second half turns out much better than the first? I'd rather have Tim Anderson. I mean, he's been worse than Ahmed Rosario this season, but he's been a lot better than him the previous three or four. So I would definitely rather bet on that guy. We know there's more upside there. And he's an interesting one in terms of, is he a trade candidate? Because I saw some talk that the the White Sox obviously already traded Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn seems likely to move. I don't know if anybody's banging down the door for, for Lance Lynn. Another bad start for him tonight. But yeah, there was a... a uh, something I saw, you know, Sarah say that they're not looking to punt on 2024 and Tim Anderson is under contract for 2024. It's a team option that makes it iffy. I could see him being traded. That's actually someone I thought the Marlins should try to go get as a buy low, but I, I would rather have Anderson than Rosario. Yeah. I think if you're the white Sox and you do kind of want to keep some of this team together, look, I think it's probably better for the white Sox to sell and just kind of build everything back up. But now is probably not the time to trade Tim yeah. Anderson because his value is probably yeah. the lowest it's ever been in his career. So mm-hmm. might not make much sense there. But it's also if he doesn't turn around, there's there's a decent chance he's DFA this year, this offseason, or that they don't pick up the option, I guess. Yeah, that is correct. You might be right about that. As a result of Ahmed Rosario getting traded, it sounds like the Guardians are going to call up Oscar Gonzalez here on Thursday. I don't know if he's going to play every day. Did want to point out that since the start of June, he has played much better in the minors. 301 batting average, eight home runs, two steals, with an 879 OPS. Just a name in very deep leagues. 15 team, Roto, five outfielders, or AL only. Oscar Gonzalez. Mike we, liked him, we liked him as a sleeper coming into the season, and then things just kind of went sideways for him. Yep. Uh, who plays shortstop for the Guardians? Moving forward, Gabriel Arias started there on Wednesday. And uh, I think he actually stole a base, too. I I think long-term, what they're looking at here is their 22-year-old prospect named Brian Rocchio. This season in the minors has hit 298 with 19 steals and an 816 uh, OPS. He has been much better in the past, uh, but I think he's a name to watch. Again, in deeper leagues, it's Brian Rocchio. uh, Could get a chance to play shortstop for the Guardians. Um, I don't think there's much to add on Noah Syndergaard, right, Chris? No. (laughs) Uh, And the other... Very much smaller trade on uh, Wednesday. The Marlins, your Marlins, they traded away Dylan Floro 
for Jorge Lopez. What was the point of this trade, Chris? Dylan Floro has much better underlying metrics than Jorge Lopez, and Jorge Lopez is under contract or is arbitration eligible for 2024, and, Jorge, and Dylan Floro is not. I think that's all it is. The Marlins probably view it as a lateral move with an extra year of club control. I, that That's my only assumption. There was some talk that they think that they can fix him and maybe they can. He still throws really hard. He's been pretty awful for about a year since he got traded to the Twins. So I I don't know. I, I saw Craig Mish said this means the Marlins are buying. And it's like, well, if this is the, the part of the store <laughs> they're shopping at, I, I don't know if I want to call that buying. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Let's take our first break. And when we return, we will talk about Marco Luciano promoted by the Giants. We'll do that right after this. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back, and if you are interested in buying some Fantasy Baseball Today merch, you can do exactly that at the Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching us on YouTube or head to ParamountShop.com, Paramount Shop, where products are Paramount. And if you're watching us live, see this little nifty Fantasy Baseball Today hat, you can get exactly one of these over at the Paramount Shop. Prospect promotion, Chris, we saw the Giants. They promoted Marco Luciano, was batting eighth in the lineup here on Wednesday. 21-year-old has ranked very highly on prospect lists for years now. He broke out as a teenager back in 2019, but the numbers never really got back to that level when he was playing down there in rookie ball. It's been solid. Uh, He comes with a lot of power. That's the standout tool here. 62 games in the minors this season for Marco Luciano. 235 batting average, 13 home runs, and an 811 OPS, though it does come with a lot of strikeouts. 24% rostered. Chris, any interest here in Marco Luciano? And does he stick around? Because they have some names returning soon. Yeah, between you know guys coming back from injury, Tara Estrada and Brandon Crawford primarily, it's it doesn't seem super likely that he's going to get, you know, a long stint, but he did make the jump after only six games at AAA. So it's possible that they're just being aggressive with him and giving him a real chance to see if he can catch fire. Obviously super talented scouts have always loved the bat speed in particular and the raw power as a result of it. But there have been back issues over the past couple of seasons and a lot of strikeouts this year. And, you know, that started to become more of an issue as he's gotten to the high minor. So I think the, in all likelihood, he's probably not going to stick around for too long and probably won't make a big impact if he does because it's the Giants. He was lifted for a pinch hitter in his debut. That's what they do. This is a team that loves to not just platoon, but play matchups, and uh, that makes it hard to predict when guys are going to be in the lineup and just kind of limits the upside of all but a few guys in the lineup. So my guess is that this is probably not a priority ad, but... He's clearly super talented. If you've got a roster spot to play with that you don't have anyone else to add for, sure, go for it. Yeah, I have deeper leagues where I am struggling at middle infielder. I think I'm starting 
Oswald Peraza or Luis Garcia yeah. from the Nationals. And it's, look, if you're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. pick him up and, and let's see where it goes again. That's Marco Luciano with the Giants. And, you know, I, I don't usually look at the Giants as a team that's aggressive in their prospect promotions. But look, between Matos and, and Luciano, two 21-year-olds in the lineup here on Wednesday, they have been pretty aggressive. One of the batted balls for Luciano, by the way, uh, 99.1 exit velocity, 338 feet to the opposite field, to right field. Would have been a home run in one park, Yankee Stadium. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Just, uh, just pointing that out. He, I saw that at bat, and he, he got some first pitch. He, he got some pretty good wood on it. But we'll see if uh, Marco Luciano can, A, stick in the lineup and hit for power with the Giants. Let's move over to some pitching performances. And we got vintage Sandy Alcantara here. On Wednesday, a complete game at the Tampa Bay Rays, a Rays team that is scuffling big time right now. Five hitter, one walk, seven strikeouts with 19 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. Did allow eight hard hits in this game, but I noticed a pitch mix change for Mm -hmm. Sandy. Not drastic, but... Yeah, everything's always going to be 20 to 30% for him. But I, I think it's worth noting. He threw his slider uh, 28% in this start. It's 21% mm-hmm. on the season. That has been his best whiff pitch this year. 37% whiff rate on that slider for Sandy Alcantara. Even after this start, ERA's in the mid-fours. We've got a 1-2-4 whip. I'm hoping he could build off it a big second half. But Chris, this was a step in the right direction for Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, I think the bigger thing, if you're looking at the pitch mix, might be the sinker usage going down. um, Because that's something he's been throwing his sinker more this season. And it it makes sense in as much as it's a a pitch that he can get ground balls with, but he gets ground balls with pretty much everything he throws. And the biggest issue, he's throwing his his sinker 22% of the time against left-handed batters. Last season was 16% of the time. And that's a trend that, you don't really want to see smart organizations. There was a really good piece. I want to say in fan graphs uh, recently about just pitchers, the the success rate the pitchers have during their sinkers against opposite handed headers. And that's not what you g- generally want to see. And so hopefully going away from the sinker, especially against lefties will help him out because I, I think that's part of what his struggles have been. But look, my thing with Sandy Alcantara has been across the board that I just, I haven't really had a good sense of why he's been so bad. And so I've expected him to turn it around. You know, I've dropped him in the rankings a bit, but he's, I don't think he's gotten lower than 15 at any point for me. And uh, you know, maybe he's lower for you or Scott, but I, I have faith that he's going to turn it around and it very well could have happened today. I'm looking at the rankings now, Chris, you have him at SP 17. I have him at SP 18. This is Sandy Alcantara. And should I say the word? Should I say the word, Chris? If I drop him any lower, we get into the glob. And I don't And he's I not in the glob. I don't know. Maybe he deserves to like the way he has pitched this he, year. He has deserved to be in the glob yes, this year. He but, has deserved it. But we know that there's much more upside in there than and, we've seen. And and this is something that like I've I had somebody on Twitter say, I'm gonna drop Sandy Alcantara. And I was like, fine. Drop Sandy Alcantara. Who are you adding that is going to make it worth dropping him? Nobody, probably. But like, if you feel that's what you needed to do after his most recent start, okay. But this is always the reason why you shouldn't. Because anybody that you're going to add, nobody that you're going to add has complete game shutout. 
as a realistic outcome every time they take them out. This is a guy who had six complete games, three shutouts last season, led the league in both regards, was going like Scott mentioned in, in yesterday's podcast. One thing that can differentiate pitchers from the glob is we'll throw Gavin Williams today. What do you go four and two thirds? Just in four, this one, just four innings, four innings. That's a reasonable outcome for Gavin Williams. He didn't actually pitch all that poorly. It's not like he got crushed. It was just he was inefficient. He got pulled after, I think, 87 pitches in four innings. And like, that's a thing that happens to a lot of pitchers with talent in Major League Baseball today. The best case scenario for Gavin Williams, most times he goes out there, is going to be seven innings. The, the best case for Sandy Alcantara is nine innings every time. He can, he's, can legitimately do that. And that's something that very few pitchers can can say. So even if you're frustrated, even if you're disappointed, even if you don't think he's going to be as good as he was last season moving forward, he's still too good to give up on. And I think he's one of those players, while it's been frustrating, you just leave him in the lineup. Because we. I had people tweet at me today saying, this is why you don't bench Daniel Conser because the, the first time you do, you wind up mm-hmm. missing out on a start like this. So uh, let's move over to some pitchers who... Did not pitch as well as Sandy on Wednesday. Another rough outing for Joe Ryan, which pushes his ERA up over four on the season. Up against the Mariners, three and two-thirds innings, four runs allowed. Did have seven strikeouts, but he allowed two more home runs in this start. Giving up some hard contact, and he's now allowed four-plus earned runs in four of his last six starts. Home runs have been a massive issue here for Joe Ryan. During this six-start stretch, 762 ERA, 1.7 1.7 whip, tons of strikeouts, 48 strikeouts over 28 yeah, and a third. Strikeout numbers have been nuts. Crazy. 13 homers, 13 yep. home runs allowed in six starts. Lots of hard contact, a crazy high fly ball rate, 57%. This is part of the what we're worried about, Andrew Abbott, is that you give up this many fly balls and you give up hard contact. It's like, uh, you know, you're kind of walking a, a fine line there, uh, but this is what the bad looks like with Joe Ryan. Chris, your thoughts here and... Uh, do we keep him in the lineup? He's at the Cardinals next week. Uh, it, it's a lot harder to justify keeping Joe Ryan in the lineup. And then part of what we talked about is why is, you know, you look at the, even the last two months, you've had the seven inning start and the nine inning start. Other than that, it's maxed out at about six innings pretty much every time. Like that's, I think he's a good pitcher and it's actually 15 strikeouts over the past eight starts. If you want to go back to, cause he had two, two strikeouts there. And I think it's like, 64 strikeouts in 45 innings or something like that. The strikeout numbers are bonkers, but that's also because he's throwing a, a lot. He's facing a lot of batters per inning. You, you know, so the, the numbers are inflated there. I think he'll be better than this moving forward. I don't think he's going to keep allowing. What are we up to three home runs per nine over the past like two months or something like that? I, have I don't him, think that's. I have him at 1.55 home runs per nine on the season. That's tied for 10th among qualified starting pitchers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I think that's always going to be an issue for him. You know, the, he is a fly ball pitcher that, you know, you're going to have to rely on on soft contact, but sometimes you just have bad luck. Sometimes you just run into, into not pitching optimally and running into a little bit of bad variance and, and things are going to get really ugly for you. So... Yeah, I think what we're seeing is that Joe Ryan's not the ace he looked like at the start of the season. He's not nearly this bad either, but maybe it's more like he's a 3.6 ERA pitcher with very good whips. 
and a lot of strikeouts, but uh, a frustrating ride along the way. Joe Ryan is a tough pitcher to rank right now. I still have him inside of my top 20 because those strikeout numbers and the underlying numbers just in general are still really, really strong mm-hmm. for Joe Ryan, but it's getting harder to justify. So, Yeah, I mean, I had moved him up as high as 18 in my uh, Roto ranks, and I, I clearly have to move him down. But like looking at those rankings, I've got Dylan Cease at 20 and Pablo Lopez at 21. Yeah. Kind of the same issue for both. Like th- yeah. those three guys, it's kind of a, a a Spider-Man meme, which is I was going to make the joke that Joe Ryan and Bryce Miller were doing the Spider-Man meme today because they were just throwing a bunch of really hard fastballs and giving up a bunch of bunch of ding dongs today. But Ryan Pablo and and Dylan Cease are all kind of the same guy right now. Yeah, I was actually going to use Pablo Lopez exactly, and I think it makes even more sense because they're teammates on the yeah. Twins. But it's just ERAs over four, great whips, tons of strikeouts. But, you know, they have about as much downside as any pitcher yeah, like, on a per-star basis. I'm looking at the rankings and it's like, I want to keep moving him down. 22 feels too high, but like Logan Gilbert and George Kirby kind of have the same problem. Julio yeah. Rios, I don't know what to make of him right now. Yeah. I think I could move Tyler Glass now above them, but even that, you know, if you're talking about the next two months. Get him up there, Chris. Well, it's just, you never <laughs> know with Tyler Glass now. He's thrown yeah. like 80 innings in the past three seasons. I moved him up to SP12. <laughs> Maybe I, I'm crazy, but I, I did. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I, I I think he's clearly not part of the glob. Uh, who else is not part of the glob? Is uh, like I don't know if Joe Ryan's not part of that anymore. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. I, I think that's uh, perfectly reasonable with Joe Ryan. Let's uh, let's hit the news and notes, and then we'll get into some hitters that are heating up in the month of July. There were some rumors floating around that Aaron Judge was on track to return on Friday against the mm-hmm. Orioles, but when Aaron Boone was asked about that, he just said he wouldn't rule it out, but he did not confirm it either. So I think they're waiting till Thursday when you're listening to this mm-hmm. to see how Aaron Judge has responded to playing these simulated games, and if he feels all right, then I think he probably is going to be active on Friday, but... I think Thursday will be very telling here for Aaron Judge. Juan Soto was held out of the lineup Wednesday with an injury to his right middle finger, which has apparently bothered him since spring training. Never heard a peep about it. Uh, Soto will get an MRI on Thursday, and it might explain why he got off to such a slow start this season as well. Both Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve returned to the Astros lineup on Wednesday. Altuve was leading off. Chris, I thought it was interesting. Alvarez, fifth. Batting fifth in the Astros lineup. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to make of that. I, kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I I think what it does tell us though is Kyle Tucker is one of the hottest hitters in baseball right yeah. now, and I think Dusty Baker has just said, "I'm not messing around anymore. I'm keeping Kyle Tucker up there." The one that doesn't make sense, Jeremy Pena. They were he fa- just really likes Jeremy Pena hitting second. He it's it's <laughs> it's never made sense for Jeremy Pena's skill set and what we understand about optimal lineup construction, but I, I don't know. That that's that's what he does sometimes. They were facing a lefty here, Andrew Heaney on the mound against mm-hmm. the Astros. I'm gonna go out, this is just my prediction. I think when they face a right-handed pitcher, I think we're gonna see Kyle Tucker bat second. I think we're gonna see Altuve, Tucker, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, and then Jose Bray. I think that's I gonna be their so. top five. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh Cedric Mullins did some running on Wednesday. He's on the IL with a right adductor strain and remains without a timetable. Nathan Ovaldi is likely to start Sunday at the Padres. He was skipped earlier this week for 
rest purposes, a.k.a. his velocity has been down recently. Zach Eflin exited his start with left knee discomfort after the game. Kevin Cash said Eflin will undergo an MRI, and he's actually dealt with issues to both of his knees in the past, Mm -hmm. which is kind of scary for Zach Eflin. Uh, He allowed five earned runs on Wednesday. That's the second time he's allowed five earned runs in his past three starts. Apparently, the MRI results on Yandy Diaz's left groin came back encouraging. He left Tuesday and was out of the lineup on Wednesday as well. Esteri Ruiz is slated to begin a rehab assignment at AAA this weekend. He's been out since early July with a right shoulder subluxation. Mets manager Buck Showalter announced that Starling Marte will not be activated when first eligible on Thursday. He is expecting a child very soon, so I think they're waiting for that to happen, and then they'll activate Starling Marte. It sounds like an early August situation uh, for Marte. Chris Sale will throw live batting practice Thursday, and if all goes well, he'll begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday. Gunnar Henderson was out of the lineup with lower back discomfort. Jonah Heim left Wednesday due to left wrist soreness. A little bit scary there. Yeah. Hopefully Uh, nothing serious, but yeah. I think when updating the rankings, I think Jonah Heim is the top scoring catcher in head-to-head points leagues this year. That makes perfect sense. He's on still on like 110 RBI pace, I'm pretty sure. It is crazy. Yeah. Even more than Adley Rutschman, who Adley, is like created in a lab for points leagues. He is so good for points leagues. He yeah. has 427 plate appearances as a catcher. Mostly catcher. You know, he DHs here and there. MJ Melendez and Dalton Varsho, who play outfield for their respective teams. They're in the lineup every day. They are below 390 plate appearances. Adley Rutschman has 427. He is he is built different for points leagues. He just gets so much volume. He is fantastic in that format. Well, he's great for every format, but especially in points leagues, that is Adley Rutschman. Jorge Polanco is set to return this weekend, and it sounds like he'll play third base for the Twins in order to keep Edouard Julian in the lineup. Good news for him. Michael Waka threw 25 pitches in a bullpen session Tuesday, his first since landing on the IL back in... Uh, Early July, Hunter Green threw a side session Tuesday as part of a core stability program. It sounds like he could return sometime in August. Nick Lodolo, not expected to return to the Reds until September. He threw a bullpen session Tuesday, his first since landing on the IL back in May, with a left tibia stress reaction. Last but not least, Jesse Winker. That's right, that Jesse Winker. Uh, He landed on the IL with back spasms let's take our final break and when we return we will talk about hitters who are heating up in july i've got some uh waiver wire moves as well we'll talk about that right after this welcome back let's talk about hitters heating up in july chris i'm gonna run through some names here wherever you want to jump in feel free to do so julio rodriguez uh three for five with two doubles and his 17th home run so far in july 295 batting average four homers five steals and an 861 ops Good news for the second half. Eloy Jimenez coming around just in time for us to buy in next year once again, Chris. Two for five with a double and four RBI. Eloy in July batting 355 with three homers and a 942 OPS. If you remember, during the All-Star break, we did some additional podcasts, having some fun. We we're talking about second half preview, all these kind of crazy things. And uh, I called out Nate Lowe. It's like he, he hasn't been as good this year. I don't know if it's going to happen. He has been on fire. Ever since. Two for four with his 12th home run, he added two walks and three RBI on Wednesday. 
12 games in the second half. Nate Lowe is betting 429 with three home runs and a 1276 OPS. Absolutely crushing the ball. Tons of line drives during that time. You want to go back to Eloy because I, I do. He is doing better. And, and overall, his season numbers are fine. 286, 815 OPS. Like, I think you expect that you hope for a little better than that. But I, I do think this sort of highlights one of the issues with Eloy Jimenez that that I do think we need to keep in mind when he's, you know, even when he's healthy. Like, let's just do the last two seasons. He's played 154 games. I'm doing the math right there. Yeah, 154 games for the last two seasons. Hitting right around 290, 19 home or 29 home runs. That's excellent. Uh, 100 RBI exactly. That's pretty good. Mm. 73 runs, zero stolen bases. So when you're talking about a roto league, especially, but even a points league where you know he doesn't strike out an overwhelming amount, but he also doesn't really walk. 46 walks in in 154 games. I think is what I said. It's just we view him as this really high upside player. And I think there is a path to some upside, you know, if he hits 310 instead of 290, then that that's within the realm of possibility, but it's a fairly limited skill set. He's a really bad base runner. He doesn't get on base very much. And so you're really looking at even in a best case scenario for Eloy Jimenez, it's probably a three category contributor and that's still useful. It's just something to keep in mind when we talk about, the clear risk factors involved in a guy who has struggled to stay healthy every season of his career, pretty much. And also when we talk about the upside that it, that it may not be as much upside as we hope for as an overall profile. I think the upside Chris lies in those three categories, right? Yes. I, I, I've always thought, and maybe it's not fair to bring this player's name up. Nolan Arenado is clearly a better baseball player than mm-hmm. Eloy Jimenez, but I always thought if Eloy had that breakout season, it would look like, Nolan Arenado, right? It would be a 300 batting average, 30 to 35 home runs, a ton of RBI. But if you look at Arenado's best seasons, he didn't score that many runs either. So I always kind of... especially outside of cores. Yeah, I always thought that that could be the upside play for Eloy, but he just, Mm -hmm. he doesn't stay healthy enough to to make that happen. Yeah, Arenado's basically on like an 80 run pace right now too. He scored 73 last year. The the other, the natural comp I've always made was Jose Abreu. Yeah. For for Eloy Jimenez. Similar profile. I think that's fair. Solid bounce back season for Whit Merrifield, who went two for four with his seventh home run, added four RBI. He is having a huge July, 352 batting average, five homers, two steals with a 969 OPS. Uh, Whit Merrifield was very pedestrian before this. If you look at May and June, he was not all that great, but he's turned it on in July. He was great in April, so he's kind of, you know, bookend some not so great months with really great months uh, for Whit Merrifield. Nolan Gorman, three for five with a double dong. He added three RBI, and uh, he had that horrific June, Chris, but man, just great again in July. Mm -hmm. 282 batting average, seven homers, 994 OPS. I moved him back up the rankings. I don't know if I moved him up enough. You let me know. I put him at 15th at second base, 15th at third base. He's just behind Glaber Torres at second, just behind Gunnar Henderson at third. Does that sound right for Nolan Gorman? Yeah, so I've got him at 17 at second base, just behind in Roto, just behind Whit Merrifield, who's that's a tough one because that's so team dependent. But I think I'd rather have Nolan Gorman, and it was one spot in my overall ranking, so that's an easy one. The other one, and I don't know where you have Luis Arias, who I feel like is just an incredibly difficult player to rank because it's like he is, he's kind of a one category guy 
for fantasy. Like, I actually don't know what the counting stats are for him. I can't imagine they're particularly impressive. They're very bad. He's actually just much better in points leagues. That's what it comes down yeah, to. He's 42 runs and 51 RBI is, yeah, that's that's like 150 run plus RBI pace. So it's really the best source of batting average in baseball and nothing else. I think you can make a decent case for Nolan Gorman ahead of him. Where it gets tougher is like Justin Turner and Ryan McMahon, who are kind of similar players, but I think you can make a case for him over those guys too. So yeah, I think you can move him up. I love Justin Turner, Chris. What he's done this year, he ranks very highly in points leagues, Roto. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's chipped in some steals. The counting stats have been great. It's a good batting average. I I think I have Turner top 12 at each of first base, second base, and third base. Just because of how good he's been, uh, regardless of format. So shout out to Justin Turner. He's getting it done. Uh, Luis Arise, by the way, his pace numbers this season. Imagine this. No way. Someone who bets 373. <laughs> he's on pace for 67 runs scored. And he hits at the top. He hits leadoff. How is that possible? Yeah, it, it's it's wild. Uh, 78 RBI, know. it's a little better, but gosh. Oh. No, it's really like... It's not a he's knock on up, him. It's it's his, you know, it's his surroundings, you know? Below average or average in four categories, and then he's by far the best in baseball in one. It's it's just a bizarre, bizarre profile. Imagine and, if uh, imagine if Luis Arise let off for the Rangers, Chris. He'd probably be on pace for 220 runs in RBI. Yeah, it, it's that that run number is so low. Insane, insane. Like it's just like there. Jorge Soler must hate him. Jorge Soler just must have <laughs> never hit a home run with Luis Arias around on base because, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's interesting. Very interesting. Three waiver wire hitters that are heating up in July. James Outman, two for four with an RBI. Back-to-back big games for him uh, so far this month, hitting over 300 with three homers and three steals. Has a strikeout rate down to 27% in the month, which is... Certainly manageable for James Outman. Lars Newbar, three for four with his eighth home run. He's having his best month yet. Maybe he's finally healthy. 298 with a 416 on base percentage, four homers, two steals, 916 OPS for Lars Newbar. And Tristan Casas, the guy is red hot, two for two with two walks and his 15th home run. He's batting 365 with six homers and a 1284 OPS in the month. Chris, do you think any or all of these players are? Verging on must add, must roster, Outman, Newbar, and Tristan Casas. No, I, I think you can make a case that Casas' roster rate should be higher than 56%. And we talked about it the other day. I'd love to see the Red Sox just like, let's let him play against lefties and see what he does because most of his plate appearances against lefties came in April when he wasn't hitting anybody. So I, I would love to see him get that opportunity because I. I do think the breakout could be legitimate. He's incredibly talented. The quality of contact metrics are very good. So I hope we see that, but you know, hope and expect are two very, very different things. Uh, new bar. It's just like, I, I noticed his season OPS is like 800. Like he, he's been disappointing, I guess, but it might just be that the profile is not super great for fantasy because it's so OBP heavy and that, you know, obviously is great for points, but because he doesn't always play every day, maybe it holds him back. The one thing I will say there, though, is the Cardinals have said they're going to be selling. They have a glut in the outfield, and it wouldn't surprise me if Tyler O'Neill and or Dylan Carlson were both moved, in which case, 
you know, that could clear up more consistent playing time for Newbar. What is the opposite of heating up, Chris, in July? What, you have any uh, any guesses there? Uh, currently, the the way the temperatures are looking right now, uh, nothing. I mean, going inside, I guess. <laughs> I saw the water temperature in the Keys got over a hundred degrees. Ooh, that's like being in a in a hot tub. That is crazy. Crazy stuff, man. I don't want to go to the beach there. (laughs) The opposite right now are those Tampa Bay Rays and three names in particular that have just cooled off in July. Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, Josh Lowe. We've talked about, you know, Wander Franco here and there. Not much on Randy and Josh Lowe, Chris. Uh, Any actual concern with those three names? Not with Randy. We've doubted him enough that I I just, it's a slump. Wander Franco... You know, we talked about him. I think we still took him in the second round in that uh, redrafting the first two rounds thing that we did a couple weeks ago. And I was the one who took him, I think. I I didn't have him in my top 24. I had him top 35-ish. Um, and just, you know, we're, we're reaching the point now where like April and May of this year look like pretty significant outliers for his career. He's still, what, 22 or 23, so you don't want to say the book is written at all he's clearly made leaps this season but now it's now we need to see him bounce out of this and bounce back with a strong august and september and we can talk about him as a second round pick but you know if this continues then it's a little concerning then josh lowe it's just he was never going to keep playing as well as he was early in the season this is probably just a bad slump amidst regression but yeah, not someone I think needs to be rostered in all leagues right now. Would you drop Josh Lowe for Lars Newbar in a points league? In a points league, yeah, because I, I think Newbar is just better suited for that format anyway. Yeah, I think in categories, even with Lowe playing only against right-handed pitching, when he plays, he you know he still got power and speed. So mm-hmm. I think I would take him in a roto or categories type context. But in a points league, I'll take uh, Lars Newbar there over Josh Lowe. Rapid fire, Chris. We've got about five, ten minutes left. What to do with these rookie pitchers? We mentioned Gavin Williams uh, only lasted four innings against the Royals. That's back-to-back starts, only throwing four innings. Bryce Miller served up four solo home runs at the Minnesota Twins. This is kind of a weird game to evaluate because he gave up a lot of hard contact, but he, he did some interesting things. He had 15 swinging strikes. I know it was against the Twins. They have by far yeah. the highest strikeout rate, I think, ever, the way that they're going right now. Um, I think it's the highest outside of the 2020 season. But the slider velocity was way up. He threw his secondary pitches more than I've ever seen, the slider and the changeup. And I was watching that start. They looked pretty good. I was mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed by what I saw from Bryce Miller outside of the home runs. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Are we holding here on Gavin Williams and Bryce Miller? Yeah, I know two of the home runs came off of uh, the fastball. I, I wasn't sure the other two because they don't, the exit velocity charts on baseball savant don't show. They just show the velocity. Uh, he gave up 95.3 mile per hour average exit velocity on 18 balls in play in this one, um, which is bad. I don't need to tell you that four whiffs on the changeup. I believe those are the first whiffs he's gotten on the changeup all season. Um, I wonder how many of them were off uh, Joey Gallo. That's only partially a joke. No, it's funny um, you say that because there was an at bat. He threw Joey Gallo three straight changeups, and I think he swung and missed at all three. <laughs> yeah, like that. That sounds right. Um, <laughs> he had six of his swinging strikes on 
on Joey Gallo. Looks like two of them were on the changeup. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I I think for his development, it's encouraging that he had the the confidence to throw the slider and the changeup more. But the results are what the results are, and it's still a, a frustrating mix for Bryce Miller. But I do think there will be better times ahead. It's just I I think he's like all these Mariners pitchers. They're they're all still figuring out what the right approach is, and, and the Mariners seem to have a pretty like hands off approach when it comes to their pitchers. They they tend to trust their guys to like go through what they think works. And that might lead to a bit more trial and error than you might prefer. But, you know, I, I think the results mostly speak for themselves there. So I'm not too concerned. It's just, it's not the ACE outcome that it looked like it might be. Do you, Gavin Williams, I, I'm not dropping, but doesn't look like a must start guy yet. Waiver wire pitchers, I've got four names here. Seth Lugo, seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts for him. Ben Shouldn't Lively, be on the waiver wire anymore. I agree. I, I think he is the most under-rostered pitcher in fantasy right now. That is yeah. Seth Lugo. Ben Lively turns in a quality start at the Brewers. Uh, Johan Oviedo, quality start at the Padres. Jose Quintana, quality start. The first one in a Mets uniform. He was at the Yankees. Chris, how do you rank this group? Lugo, Lively, Oviedo, and Quintana. Lugo is in the glob. I don't think any of the other threes are three are. I think they're they're outside of even that range. I know Quintana's had decent results in a very small sample size so far. I don't really buy it. Um, he does have a two start at KC at Baltimore next week. I don't hate that. So as a two start pitcher in points leagues, especially, I think he's pretty useful. Oviedo and Lively, I don't really buy it. The peripherals for Lively are much worse than the overall numbers. So I, I think he's gonna. I think there's going to be some regression at some point. Well, it's kind of already happened. Three names in the pitching leftovers category. Yusei Kikuchi. We've mentioned the term random number generator often recently. Well, that is Yusei Kikuchi. At the Dodgers, six innings, one run, eight strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes. Actually, a really, really impressive performance. Carl Sordon picks up his first win with the Yankees up against the Mets. <laughs> Five and two thirds, one run allowed, four strikeouts, had 11 swinging strikes, lots of hard contact. So kind of a mixed bag here on Carlos yeah. Rodon uh, and Spencer Strider. Ho-hum turns in his ninth double digit strikeout start of the season at the Red Sox. Chris, anything on these three? Spencer Strider, it's not likely, but he might get to 300 strikeouts. We got two months left in the season. He's got about 10 starts left. Like ten start, ten strikeouts per start. That's not, it's not impossible for for Spencer Strider is, is what I will say. He's at one ninety nine right now. Uh, Rodon, I don't have much. To, I, sorry, I don't have much to say about Kikuchi. I don't trust him. I don't know how you can trust him. He's so up and down his whole career. Underlying metrics don't back up what he's done so far. So. I'd rather have Gavin Williams. I'd rather have Seth Lugo. Um, I'd rather just have Yuri Perez, who I think probably will make one more start in the minors and they get called up. He made his first start today. Uh, only went like two and a third and two and two thirds, I think. Rodon, I think he's going to figure it out. I, he hasn't figured it out yet. Clearly, the results aren't there, but it, it kind of reminds me of Tyler Glasnow's first couple of starts back. Remember when he wasn't as great and yeah. then it's kind of flipped flipped overnight. Yeah. Someone someone pointed out today on Twitter that I say switch to flip 
uh, a lot instead of flipped a switch. I noticed I, you said it last I just, night. I just caught myself like <laughs> trying not to say that, and I almost said it. If somebody goes back and watches yesterday's podcast, I don't know when Chris said it, but if you watch closely, I just start laughing in the background. Yeah, I, I I was gonna bring it up, but then I don't know. We got off on a tangent somewhere, so that's yeah. That, that, <laughs> so then now I'm in my head about it. Uh, last point on Carlos Rodon. The the one thing that really stood out to me in a positive way. The slider was mm-hmm. lights out. Seven whiffs in this, uh, seven of his 11 swinging strikes, and a 35% CSW there on Carlos Rodon. A few bullpen updates here for the Rockies. Justin Lawrence was unavailable. Daniel Bard got the ninth inning with a three-run lead. He gave up four runs on four walks and a hit, took his second blown save and second loss of the season. For the Mariners, Paul Seawald was unavailable. Andres Munoz picked up his second save. For the Brewers, Devin Williams struck out two for his 26th save. The Pirates, David Bednar allowed a run but picked up his 20th save. For the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell entered in the eighth inning with a two-run lead. He was facing the heart of the Orioles lineup, three, four, and five. Struck out two, and then Gregory Soto pitched a clean ninth inning for his second save. I still think Kimbrell's the closer. I just think they wanted to use him in the biggest leverage spot of the game. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes struck out one for his 14th save. For the Red Sox, Kenley Jansen also struck out one for his 22nd. And for the Cubs, Adbert Alzali picked up his 11th save and is only 41% rostered. So if you do need a reliever in a points league or you need saves in a daily categories league, whatever it might be, Adbert Alzali, he is out there in lots of leagues. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream, Chris. And on Thursday, I think we said... Chase Silseth at the Tigers and Josiah Gray at the Mets. Yeah, I I think Miles Michaelis against the Cubs, if he's in the streaming range uh, in roster rate, I'm not sure, but don't really have much interest in anyone else. We did gain another game because the Angels and Tigers yeah. got postponed on Wednesday. So Patrick San- Sandoval and Sandoval, yeah, that, that's an okay yeah. one. Sandoval and Lorenzen, they were both bumped. Would you be okay with Lorenzen versus the Angels? I don't love it, but it's fine. Yeah. Okay. On Friday, we're, we're going old school style here because I didn't have enough time to write all these names out. So, uh, Reese Olsen at the Marlins. I prefer Braxton Garrett on the other side, even though he's been pretty bad for a while. Uh, but I don't like either one of them very much. Oh, you know what? I lied. Chase Silseth is now pitching Friday at the Blue Jays. So he's not even okay. pitching on Thursday. Do you like Chase Silseth at the Blue Jays? I would like him more against the Tigers. Uh, I don't love the the, the the matchup against the Blue Jays. Mm, all right, let's. Who else do we have? Brady Singer versus the Twins, who strike out against everybody. Um, I don't. I don't want to start Brady Singer now. No, just say no. the The answer. Is I know he had a good no. outing in his last start. I think it was was eight eight innings against the Yankees, but. I don't, uh, I don't trust it. Yeah, but the Yankees stink. Uh, yeah. uh, JP Sears is in Coors Field. That's a no. Nope. Tommy Henry versus the Mariners. Blah. Probably not. Brandon Williamson at the Dodgers. Nah. Cutter Crawford at the Giants. Maybe. Um, uh, I don't hate that one, but I don't love it. But Friday, very bad. Uh, ugh. 
streaming slate. Not not looking forward to that one. Thursday with five games has more I viable more, streamers yeah. than, than we do on Friday. So just to put that in perspective, we're going to wrap there for Chris. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you.